Hey everyone, I'm Stephen Michael. You're listening to My Memory Stick, a brand new podcast here at Anchor and across all major platforms. Each episode, I'll talk gay culture, LGBTQ trends, great travel tips, my life as a photographer, and so much more. If you followed my blog before, welcome to the Verbal Edition. Enjoy! Hey everyone, I am Stephen Michael and you have once again found my Memory Stick podcast. I'm on episode 8 and I appreciate you listening in. Thank you. I'm here in the studio, it's early on a Friday morning and like the majority of the world, I am in a shelter in place which has been the order for the last two to three weeks and it's going through the end of the month for us here in California, here in Palm Springs. And I'm just trying to not go crazy. I'm trying to stay creative. I see by the number of listeners per my episodes, they're starting to rise. So it looks and seems like people at home are listening in or in their cars. And I appreciate that. I hope I'm encouraging people to be smarter, to live healthier. Through all of this together, I think we'll make it. I feel optimistic. And... I hope that you as an individual are staying creative and staying sane and being smart and trying things that you haven't done before, cleaning out those closets, get that spring cleaning in order, go through old papers, shred old documents, do something to be productive during these times because we can't ever complain that we don't have time to do anything because right now is the time to catch up because quite honestly it seems like that's what Mother Earth is doing with COVID-19. Um, it's it's um, many theories of course. I don't want to get too deep into this but it just seems like the world is resetting herself. And Mother Nature will always have the final say. So know that. <laughs> and um, again, hopefully through this, we will all get through it together by being smarter and just living healthier. And so with that said, um, I wish everyone well. And today I wanted to talk about... Um, I've always been a very competitive person. To know me is to know this. I'm a Capricorn, I think it's part of my nature. And it started um, rewinding all the way back to, I would probably say starting in junior high. We were having little talent shows and things like that. And I started getting involved with <clears throat> musicals and musical theater at school as a youngin. And so past that, I started uh, dancing at a studio in Nashville. And we had a dance company that competed throughout the the Southeast and we went to New York and to Vegas a few times for competitions and 
it was very dance moms, but before dance moms, if you know what I mean, it was that type of competitive stuff. I mean, where you would learn routines and you would go to competitions and you would compete with them and you would get critiqued and you would get trophies. And it was the whole scenario, that whole scene. So I've had um, competition and performance in my blood for years. And I, going back even earlier, you know, at seven years old with um, my cousin in the living room doing dance routines and making videotapes and performances for our parents on the weekends. Um, it just just kind of um, reiterates my the fact that I've been a performer my whole life. And uh, through dance, um, past that, I went on and, and did some more um, performing and competitions. And the competitions really kicked in when I was a teenager. Of course, this is with the dance company in Nashville. This was um, going to competitions like Tremaine, Showstoppers, Dance Makers International, or Incorporated, I'm sorry, DMI, um, DMA, Dance Masters of America. I was Mr. Dance Tennessee, um, I think 86 or 87, I think it was 87 actually. Um, so I've been very competitive and I'm not afraid of competition and actually I thrive from it and I feel like I've become a better me through it. And from the dance competitions, which we did plenty of, I competed in Winter Guard, which is, um, of course, if you're familiar with marching bands and the color guard on the field during the winter, most of those people compete in a situation called Winter Guard and it's inside high school gymnasiums or university gymnasiums. And they do regionals around the country and then they do um, finals, I believe, um, up, up north. And so I always check out the one here in Riverside that always comes in February. But as a teenager, I would compete at these competitions. And it would just added another layer of my um, competitive edge that I've always grown up with. In high school, I was incredibly competitive. I was a cheerleader. I was in marching band. I was assistant drum major. I was on the yearbook staff. I um, was in drama. I did the musicals. So I was very active. So it's never been something I've shied away from. And after, uh, after uh, competing and being a dancer in Nashville, when I was 18, 19, I did drag. I started doing drag. And I did it as another means to perform. And I always wanted to try it. So Halloween, I got painted up. My drag mother, Monica Monroe, um, painted me. And we were both 18 at that time. But a drag mother is someone who paints you for your very first time and nurtures and, and mentors you. And so uh, Monica was definitely that for me. And so um, I did drag at 18, um, was sneaking into to the gay bar in Nashville, to the Warehouse 28. So many great memories there. And then didn't really do drag until the next Halloween. And then did it again. And Monica painted me again. And then after that, I did um, a Christmas show and started doing a few shows here and there and started getting competitive with the drag, with doing drag. And um, with that, I ended up going 
um, to Miss Gay USA in San Antonio, and I think this was 1991. And this was the year, um, ooh, I think uh, Tandy Andrews won. Yeah, Tandy won that year. And there was like 69 contestants. And um, it was a major deal for sure, and it's still going on. Of course, now it's called uh, Miss Gay USA, um, and that's a whole other subject. But um, yeah, it's the same system. But um, when I was 19, I went and competed and um, uh, through that, just learned what it would take to um, become better and to compete nationally. Because in many ways, I was eaten up and chewed and spit to the side. I thought I was doing okay. In reality, I didn't do that great, but it showed me what was possible. And so, through that, I um, I won a few titles locally in Nashville, and decided um, rewind. Um, Ninety two, I moved to um, Atlanta, and I did. As soon as I moved to town, I did a one or two shows. I think I did a talent competition at Backstreet and was able to come um, to perform with the Queens that weekend and so I did that and to be quite honest afterwards I just started losing interest in me doing drag I started choreographing and dancing with most of the Queens in town at that point and I transitioned to being a backup dancer and to choreographing for the queens that went to do the pageants. So I was able to live that life vicariously through them, but not put myself through the rigor of doing drag because quite honestly, it's tough. And if you've ever done drag or if you do drag, you know. And if you haven't done drag, then you should try it. And as they say, walk a mile or walk a good runway in their shoes and you'll understand because honestly it's tough and so I knew to become better at drag which was my competitive um, um, the competitive aspect of me coming out I knew I would a have to invest more money and also the pressure of conforming to beauty standards, meaning body modifications, etc., I knew would come into the narrative and it just wasn't something that I, not a road I wanted to go down. I didn't want to transition. And so I felt the need to pull back and to put my momentum forward in the male pageant circuit. And this, of course, is mid-90s, and I was um, living in Atlanta. I lived there for four years from Nashville, from 92 to 96. I choreographed the Mr. and Ms. Hotlanta pageants. I was incredibly involved with the River Expo, if any of my more established, my older listeners know about that. I was very involved with that. And I started competing in the male circuit and competed for... Um, I think Mr. Daytona, 
USA. That was a prelim to uh, Mr. Gay USA at that time. Um, I competed for Mr. Peach Tree State or Mr. Peach State. Mr. Peach State? Yeah, at the Metro. And um, yeah, I never went further than doing those prelims because I never went to nationals from that point on. I ended up, I don't know exactly why I didn't, but I didn't. And from there, decided to move from to Lauderdale um, from Atlanta with my best friend Tyler to start you know, a new life, a new chapter in my life. And from there, I actually competed for, uh, I competed for Mr. Hotlanta, um, representing Lauderdale. And um, <laughs> I had no business being there, but they needed another contestant. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a moment, a quick story there. Um, Mr. Hotlanta is a, well, I don't know if they even have it anymore, but it was a body contest and a look contest. And I had a nice body. And I had a um, rugged, masculine look with a Fu Manchu mustache and a a faded military haircut and a hairy chest and the whole and a pierced nipple and the whole nine yards. And so I was completely different than what the other um, contestants were like. So I already stood out. So I just had to own that. And I've always had to own that, to be honest, through my whole life. I've always been one to... Um, um, people paid attention to me, be it good or bad. Um, during school, um, I was bullied, like many people I know. And not to dwell on that, but people knew me and knew of me. And so they paid attention to me. And so I decided early on if they were going to pay attention, I was going to give them something to pay attention to. And so I just had to own myself and own who I was. And so um, with Mr. Atlanta, <laughs> there was a um, fantasy category and um, I came out as Zorro and had some rip away clothes and had leather underneath and with some Nine Inch Nails hardcore music playing in the background. And um, it, <laughs> without getting into many of the details, let's just say, um, it, I, yeah, they kind of looked at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I had two good friends of mine, Tony Curtis and the, my dear sister, Ashley Cruz, sitting on the judges panel, looking up at me going, girl, uh, not here, not here. So, um, yeah, it was a fun time, but, um, again, it's another layer to who I am as a competitor. I'm not afraid. I, I'm very, very rarely afraid. And, um, uh, from there, um, lived in Lauderdale and um, did the leather circuit. And um, I was um, I was dancing in the clubs. I was stripping and go-go dancing. And I um, was approached by the owner of the Ramrod, the owners, I'm sorry, um, Zach and Steve, to uh, compete for uh, Mr. South Florida Drummer Boy. And... I said, sure, why not? So, you know, anytime to get on stage and to uh, compete. And so I knew what I needed to do to win. 
because being a choreographer, being a competitor, being a performer, being someone who's been in that world, not necessarily the leather world, not necessarily that community, but I knew what I knew what to do and what to give the judges to get what I needed out of it, and that was the title, and I did, and I won, and um, when I won, you know, of course there was applause, there was accolade, but the leather community didn't really want to welcome me because I believed to them I was pretty much just a stripper, a go-go dancer, and so they didn't take me too seriously. So with that title, I actually went to Mr. Florida, drummer boy, and out of six contestants, won that. And again, they really weren't wanting to let me in. And at the same time, I knew I wasn't a full-time leather man, or, and I especially wasn't a boy. I, wa I knew I wasn't in that role, but I knew that I needed to give them what they wanted, meaning at the international finals, I knew exactly how I needed to act. And I knew my limits as well, and what I was going to, um, how I was going to um, show myself. And um, I actually got to San Francisco. I competed with Jeffrey Adler, um, who was Florida drummer that year, and he won, and I tied for, I actually tied for International Drummer Boy. They are voted, <clears throat> excuse me, they are voted by, well they were, I don't think the contest is happening anymore, but they were voted by the drummer contestants. And there, I think there were maybe 12 contestants and they were split down the middle between me and someone else. And they went back and voted three times from what I understand. And finally, someone broke the tie and the other contestant won and I got first runner up. And I was so happy at that point because I honestly did not want the responsibility of traveling and being in that role. <clears throat> because I knew, again, it wasn't who I was. And I knew the other boy really wanted it. So I mostly wanted to prove people wrong, which I did. And I wanted to show people and show myself that I could do anything when I put my mind to it. And I did. And so I was very proud of that situation. I was just very thankful that it panned out the way it did. And so um, from there, um, I went back to Lauderdale and won a um, title called Mr. Chains. And um, I was really only that title holder, that was going to be a title to take me to IML, I believe, or was it going to take me to Florida Leather, I'm not sure. But anyway, I decided to move to LA, and they took the title back, which, I mean, it is what it is, I understand, but um, I was Mr. Change 97, don't try it, or 98. And um, then I moved to LA, and of course life changed, and I grew up even more, and so I took a huge, huge break from competition. And so um, once I got to LA, I met my husband. And as I said, I took a break from the competitive world. I would judge a pageant here and there when they would have me. I went to San Diego and judged uh, a continental prelim. I uh, went back to um, 
Florida and judged a US of A prelim for my bestie Bob Taylor and then um, I judged um, nationals for All-American Goddess up in Dayton for Scott and um, yeah so I kept my foot in the pageant waters but I just wasn't competing I was uh, judging or supporting or choreographing um, or just uh, mentoring girls to their crowns and at that point um, yeah like I said I just was just judging and just um, involved from afar so to speak and you know what actually I think I'm going to put a pin in it there uh, take some water and check a message and I will be back with you in just a few minutes I've got a lot to say be right back hey guys I'm back or girls and girls <laughs> I don't want to uh, box anyone into any identity so thanks <laughs> very Alaska um, so yeah, I am back and talking about my competitive ways um, through, you know, through dance competitions, the Teenager Choreography Awards, um, Mr. Dance Tennessee, 87, um, through doing drag at 19 and 20, male pageantry in my 20s, of course, the leather scene, later 20s, uh, dancing with girls, choreographing for them, being involved with pageant systems across the board. I have always had a um, background and a uh, desire to compete and to be on stage. And so competition just takes all of that and puts it together hand in hand. And, uh, you know, I met my husband in 2000 and moved in L.A. And I moved to Palm Springs in 2002 and I've lived here ever since. And we've been together ever since. We're going into 20 years next month. Jesus, that's amazing, right? Oh, that's fierce. 20 years. Wow, that's, I'm sorry, just take a little minute there. I had to take a moment. Um, yeah, no, that's, yeah, beep, beep, toot, toot. That's good, honey. People said we weren't gonna make it, but we did. <laughs> and we have, and together we will. Um, yeah, he's an amazing man. I'm very lucky. So, um, thank you for sharing that with me. And um, just was not competitive in that aspect. I started, um, uh, I released a book, and um, I was a writer for the magazines, and so my word was getting out that way. I wrote in Atlanta. I wrote in Fort Lauderdale for magazines, and... Uh, Palm Springs, I wrote for four or five years. I had my own columns in all the magazines. So that's fun. Good for me. And um, I just like having those realizations as I talk. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I just wasn't really competitive. And it was 2013 and I grabbed my phone. I believe it was 2013, 2012, maybe 2012. And I think it was like July 3rd, July 5th, something like that. And I grabbed my phone and my coffee to check messages. And I saw on Facebook where Scott Gagnon was having All-American Gent. And which was going to be the male division to his female divisions. 
and without I didn't draw my coffee or anything. It wasn't all that, but um, what uh, transpired was an immediate, no thinking about it decision to get back into competition. As soon as I saw that advert, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to do it. It was an immediate, I don't want to say it was a knee-jerk reaction because it, I guess it basically was, but there was no thought in my mind that said otherwise about me not doing it. I knew I was going to do it. I went in. <laughs> I went deep in and I immediately started planning. And I believe I was the first contestant to um, send my entry fee in. I knew that this was for me. And um, yeah, I knew that this was going to be me. <laughs> I mean, I'm being completely honest with you. I walked into this competition Ooh, so full of myself. Oof, to say those words and to admit that. But I did. <laughs> and I was shown otherwise. Um, yeah. Um, try not to get into too many long stories, but, um, Entered All-American Gent and knew that I was going to have to do well, but I also knew that I was going to win. <laughs> and when I say knew, I had convinced myself that I was going to. And went into L.A. on a repeated schedule to get fitted for prosthetics at Joe Belasco's makeup school. And that... If I had to say what were the highlights of my life, much less my, just my competitive years, I would have to say getting to know Joe Blasco and going to his school and being treated like gold. I wanted to do a, pro I wanted to do a prosthetic for my creative costumes and my creative costume, and I knew Joe from the gym. And Joe was Carol Burnett's makeup artist. He's done Hollywood makeup for decades and had makeup schools in L.A. And so I went for it and asked him if he would help me, and he said absolutely. So he hooked me up with Veronica, this incredible um, uh, student at his school, who I'm sure she's going to do bigger and better things. But um, she was amazing and um, helped me create... Um, the Faces of Janos, who was a, uh, a Greek god with two faces. And so that was my creative costume. And she actually went to Dayton, Ohio, to uh, the competition with me to apply the prosthetics and to be my dresser. And so it was so wonderful getting to know her. And um, the trips to L.A. with Jacques uh, by myself uh, to see Veronica, to meet Joe to get fitted for these prosthetics were so special and they are memories that I will always treasure and cherish. And I continued getting my package for competition together and um, 
did my you know my travel plans and uh, reservations and everything and my flights and so when it was time to get to Dayton um, I got there and we stayed at the Dayton Grand and it was not glamorous by any means um, but I got to the room set up shop and realized that Dayton closed at 6 p.m. each night or each yeah each night so that was interesting and we were downtown so I got some stuff for the room and in the process had a huge bouquet of roses delivered from my girls back in Nashville wishing me luck which was incredibly special and so um, they sat in my room the entire uh, the flowers sat in my room the entire <clears throat> Uh, weekend during my competition it was just it was amazing to have those excuse me <clears throat> and um, the competition went okay for me I am my little sip of water hold on one second I thought I had prepared but I was wrong <laughs> and unfortunately looking back I invested more of my time and money in my creative costume and going into LA and doing that than I did in my other categories that sort of slipped. Um, I danced solo and just pretty much wore pedestrian clothes. I didn't really wear anything incredible. Looking back, I really didn't deserve to win at all. But walking into the competition, I was convinced that I was going to. But as the competition progressed, I realized that that was not going to be the case. And putting a pin in it there, a lot of my stories and my memories, of course, are vivid in my mind. And if you and I got together with a good cocktail and talked about the good old days, I probably would share more. But there's some details here and there throughout the stories that I share, um, not just for this podcast, but in general, where I will probably do my best to pull back of some of the detail to protect the not so innocent. And um, just know that, again, I walked into the situation feeling that I was going to do incredibly well, and I walked out of the situation not. And as it was progressing, I could tell that it wasn't going to go in my favor. And uh, my husband even came to Dayton to support. He flew in for final night, which was really, really special. It was the, um, the one thing that um, I needed for sure to have him there. Um, fast forwarding to crowning, I did not place. I did not win a category, and out of, I think, eight or nine contestants, I placed like seventh or eighth, which was second to last. And, ooh, I'm being honest. Oof. Ooh. Ooh, that was honesty right there. Um, Yeah, I didn't do well. And I was devastated. And when I say devastated... I held my stuff together. I was going to say, I was going to say shit. I held my shit together. Um, I, they crowned the winner. Uh, Monty St. James won. And um, I think Cielo got first runner up. And so 
I went down after they were, you know, they're doing pictures and everything. I went downstairs and at uh, mask and gathered my stuff. Shock helped me get my stuff and went back to the hotel and quite literally fell apart. I broke down in such a way that I didn't think I ever would be that emotional or that passionate about something like that. And I put my husband through it. <laughs> um, I think we got back to the room about 1.30 or 2 in the morning. He had an early flight. I had to drive him back to the airport like at 5 a.m. We had to pack his bags, plus pack my stuff up. I was so distraught that it upset him. And I swore after it was all said and done that I would never get that upset over something like that again because devastation really doesn't really even put it in um, perspective or context because just know I was upset. <laughs> Bitch, I was shook. Shooketh. Shooked. Bitch. So yeah, um, the next, got jogged to the airport, got back to the hotel, more tears ensued. Um, yeah, I was just, I was shattered. I was shattered. Um, got myself to the airport, got to the rental car, called my friend uh, Bob and my friend Kimball and just cried. And um, I know I'll probably upset them as well, but I was so distraught. And so I got back home Pick the pieces of my heart and my soul and my um, my uh, well-being back, put them back together, and was okay. I was okay, but I knew that at that point the torch had been lit, and that fire that slowly and lowly burned and simmered in my soul about comp competing and about competition was a flame at that point. And so I immediately mapped out my next step and that was Entertainer of the Year. And so I um, uh, got my gig on, you know, got my act together and um, started planning. Um, the good thing about competing and being with my husband, he's never once said no. He's always been incredibly supportive. He's always been there to, to help me pack and to, he's a great packer. <laughs> he's a great packer. Um, to pack and unpack after it's all said and done. And he's always been my number one support system other than myself because if you can't support yourself then you need to reassess the situation so I've always been incredibly supportive of myself but it's been even better having my husband on my team and I went to um, just looking over my notes looking over my notes and I'm sure, actually, I'm probably going to finish this episode and remember things I wanted to say, which I always do. 
and I tend to listen to my episodes after I finish them um, to make sure there's nothing I want to edit out, which is almost impossible <laughs> at that point. But um, I know there'll be more than I'll, that I will want to say. And I hope that time-wise I get to talk about everything, but this could easily be in two parts. We will see how it plays out because I competed for a good few years. Um, and so went to Entertainer of the Year, Mr. EOY, and got my package together. I hired four dancers from Nashville, and we did a George Michael uh, mix of his music. And um, again, I could probably have invested a little bit more money in costumes and into production, but I had a lot of travel um, budget concerns. So as a competitor, if you're, if you compete and you're listening in and you've been down these roads, you know, deciding where money should go or what should be taken care of first sometimes, um, becomes a skew. And so with Mr. EOY, my first year, um, for, uh, evening wear, I went downtown. I bought a great, um, tuxedo. I bought a fake fur faux jacket, faux fur jacket, um, to wear over very pimp like I had my, uh, dear friend Jana, uh, bring her daughter Rue up to escort me in an evening gown. Um, escort me she was dressed in the evening gown <laughs> and um, she uh, came out with me and for swimwear I wore a um, Aussie bum swim suit with a white hoodie and some jewelry and then I had uh, Trinity Taylor who many of you may know be know uh, know as Trinity the Tuck from RuPaul's Drag Race we're uh, friends from years past and so I had her come up and um, escort me out in swimwear. So that was totally fun. And I, I remember some of the conversation we had backstage waiting to go on and then knowing where she is today in her career. It's quite a leap from the narrative we had between the two of us that night. So I'm thrilled that she's been so incredibly successful with the show and then on her own afterwards, of course, um, especially winning uh, All-Stars uh, 4. And um, so yeah, EOI was fun, I had a good time, um, met a lot of people, an incredible stage at The Connection, um, scored pretty well except for judge number four, <laughs> and that will be a running joke, um, judge number four, just um, was not featuring me. Um, I had consistent scores from the other judges and whoever the fuck judge number four was, pardon my French, bleep, um, just did not feature me. And he scored me or she scored me um, half of what everyone else did. And with EOI, unfortunately, it's not Olympic scoring to where they drop the highs and lows. It's um, cumulative. And so one low score will pretty much just knock you out. And so they took care of me there. And... Um, came home and decided to compete again for EOY. Um, went back and the next year and um, had my friend Carmelo uh, do a tuxedo jacket and acrylic paints of um, Hollywood Divas um, painted all over it. It was super fierce. 
and I had um, a top hat and some ruffles and it was really an interesting uh, creative evening wear for me and um, for talent I did a mix of Elvis Presley's Fever into um, a rap of Work Bitch by Britney but I actually rapped it myself and wrote the lyrics and recorded it so that was fun that was totally different for me and I had two dancers um, from Nashville again who drove up and they were incredible. And I had my best friend Tyler build a, a prop, <laughs> a stage prop to go on top of a stage, which <laughs> with a curtain, it was kind of like, <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? Why am I thinking this? But I had to have it because I wanted to do some costume changes behind it. And it was just cumbersome. And anyway, I worship him for um, the time he spent into preparing that prop and um, you know again judge number four <laughs> whoever the hell that was um, just didn't feature me um, they didn't um, feel me and again they scored me whoever was in that position both years um, scored me half of what the other judges scored me I would have really done much better if they had not treated me in such a way. And um, I that year I placed uh, fourth, so I was third runner-up. And um, you know, it's it is what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, at that point, I knew I was going to change systems and I wouldn't be coming back to EOI. And um, you know, I thought I brought them what I could at that point. I didn't. I knew they wanted someone probably a little more smoother, maybe perhaps a little bit younger and a different image than what I was portraying. And I get it. Um, they just didn't get me, and that's fine. And so, as I learned in later years, the best way for me to describe my run in the competitive world and in life really i may not be everyone's cup of tea but i sure hope i'm your shot of whiskey i'm your person to go to when you need something completely different that's not going to be conformist and i've prided myself i've been incredibly proud of me doing that throughout the years so kudos me and from EOY, I mean, I did a great presentation, drum footage, um, you know, I, I stoned a jacket that took me two to three months, rhinestones on top of this white tuxedo jacket my friend Dimitri from uh, one of my sponsors, Skin Cosmetics, gave me. Um, it took me three months to stone the hell out of that thing, and it's beautiful. And, you know, I, I brought them what I, everything I thought I could. And I could continue. I probably could have continued on with them, but I just decided that I was going to move and change systems at that point, just because it wasn't happening. And from uh, from that year, that year EOI um, was the year. Oh, Trinity, um, of course, she escorted me my first year at EOI. The next year, she came back. She competed. She won Entertainer of the Year. Alyssa Edwards got first runner-up, and I think Eureka O'Hara got second runner-up, and of course they were all on RuPaul together, so that's kind of fun. And um, yeah, I, I had a great time at EOI, it's just I had to move on because I realized it wasn't for me. And 
I knew that going to All-American Gym, to AAG, going to EOI, Entertainer of the Year, everything that I had done up until that point prepared me for going back to where it all started, and that was USFA. And I, as I mentioned, I started doing drag at 19 or 20. I competed at Miss Gay USA the year Tandy won. And here at this most recent point, going back to US of A and ending there, so to speak, just seemed full circle for me. And I knew there would be no places after US of A for me to compete because I didn't want to go to Continental. And um, so US of A were, was where I was going to put my heart into and my stake in the ground, so to speak. And so um, at that point, I decided I was going to jump in the Arizona prelim in Phoenix. So I drove down, ended up dancing by myself. Um, and after it was all said and done, um, my talent didn't really go much places. <laughs> didn't, very, didn't go very far. Um, club wear, uh, wore my Tom Finland jeans that Carmelo painted for me years ago for International Drummer Boy that I still fitted, fit, fitted in, luckily. Um, I wore those. Uh, my shirt didn't fit incredibly well. Had some mistakes. Got first runner-up. Got my ticket to nationals. And uh, prepared to go to finals. And finals were in San Antonio. And so I you know, prepared my travels, got my gig on, and so got to San Antonio. Checked into the hotel. And then the next, uh, that night, I went to Mr. Gay U.S. of A at large, which was at Heat, and our uh, contest, Mr. Gay U.S. of A, was going to be held at the Saint in San Antonio. So the night before, I went to support my friend Ron and some other friends in at large, um, and then went back to the hotel. And the next day, I got up and went to... Um, to registration for Mr. Gay U.S. of A. And I, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I already knew I was going to stand out and, but wasn't so sure people were going to remind me of that. <laughs> and so I, um, got to registration and I felt that loneliness. I felt, I felt that solo feeling. I felt like I was definitely there alone. And so uh, at registration, I got with a group of contestants. We all drew numbers. And I drew, I believe, 17. And the um, guy who drew number 16 was Jeffrey Kelly. And Jeffrey was I think he had gotten first runner-up the year before, second runner-up, and he was basically the front-runner for this contest. And when I drew the number behind him, I just immediately felt defeated, to be honest. And that mixed with the fact that someone, I don't want to name names, but someone near and dear to the U.S. of A family basically laughed in my face when they found out that I was a com competitor. And this was at registration. So I had to deal with that, keep my chin up, 
and then pull the number behind Jeffrey. So I was already in a mood. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was tough. And there's so much honesty about to be poured out right now, so just get ready. But I left registration, I got in my car, and I immediately started planning my escape route. I was so thrown by the whole situation that I was already figuring out a way to go home. And so I went around the corner. It was, the day was perfect for this scenario, but I went around the corner and it was drizzly. It was cooler, it was cold that day. And I pull off to the side of the street, off some little side street downtown that was by myself and cried. I lost it and was felt so defeated and I was just so tear-filled. My eyes were just so watery. I was just so sad. And I opened my eyes and this sounds cliche and to know me is to, to know I do not lie. But about that time, I didn't count them, but I would probably say 25 to 30 birds ascended on my car and around my car. And I tuned in and just had this moment like, okay, I can do this. Those birds ascending on me in support or wherever they came from or whatever it was, was what I needed because it was, oh, I get gooseys. I get a little chill talking about it because it was a special moment that fate brought to me. And I wiped my tears. I called my best friend, Bob, and I pulled my shit together and I drove to the hotel and grabbed my shoes because I believed I had talent that day. I had tech rehearsal. So I went in there, I did my best. I danced alone. I wore sickening club wear, my Tom of Finland jeans, they lived for it. And again, I just felt that loneliness, but the week got better as it progressed. And then final night, I was second to be called out for the 12 and I was overwhelmed, I was shocked. I went there, danced alone, danced solo, stuck through it and placed in the top 12 alone. And I felt so incredibly proud of myself that thinking back on it now, I still feel incredibly proud of myself. And I would have to say it is probably the proudest time I have spent on stage or in that moment because it was a definite sense of accomplishment. And so that night uh, in the 12, you know, and again, I was so shocked to make the 12 and at the Saint, we were on the bottom floor, uh, on the dance floor, they called us to the 12, we drew our number, I think I drew number 12, so I was very last to go. And so going up 
to the top level of the stage, I was able to look down on the audience and see the other contestants and, and see the ones that didn't make the 12. And I felt for them. Some of them brought eight, 10, 12 people with them across the country and they didn't make the 12. And I just felt so bad for them. And I felt my heart went out to them and it, they still do. I know how that feels to try so hard and to not achieve what you set out to do. And so from that moment on, the 12 went backstage, we got ready for talent or club wear, the night progressed, and when it was all said and done, I placed 12th, I believe. I think going into finals, I placed 11th, and finals, I placed 12th overall. When I was dancing by myself, everyone had productions, it's comparative scoring, so it's difficult to stand out doing a solo, especially when you're last in the lineup. And so I, I, it was a great time. And I went home and knew I wanted to continue and go back and um, compete again, which I did. And with that said, I'm gonna actually um, just take a quick break as well. Check some messages, get some water, take a stretch. And thanks for hanging in with me. I think we may get this in one. I'm not sure. Uh, be right back. So, hey, everybody. Um, yeah, so I was talking about competing my first year at Mr. Gay US of A. And the second year, I went to uh, qualify at the California Prelim. And it was the first year that they were having it, and it was in Bakersfield. So I knew I could take some dancers here locally and then go up. So that was the plan. And um, it went okay. Um, Talent-wise, we did incredible. Um, club wear, again, you know, it took me a few tries to figure out, figure out what club wear worked best for me. And Really, my advice to anyone who competes or who may be listening to this who needs some advice, stick to what you know. Go with what works best on your body and what works best with you. If you have a more masculine or rugged image, do not try to wear something um, youthful and um, shiny or uh, pretty. Try to wear something a little more masculine, rugged, and vice versa. Um, there's nothing worse than seeing a twink in a harness or armbands that does not fit, trying to be a leather man when they most certainly are not. And I admit there were a few times that I was trying to serve up a club wear that really did not fit my personality. Because I saw it happen or work for someone else, it didn't work for me. And so as I said, it took me a while to figure that out. But in my final stages and my final years of competing, I absolutely tuned into that finally. Um, and so went to the California prelim, I had a good time. Um, we did well, I got first runner up, I won interview, which I tend to do. Uh, in prelims, um, I was usually the interview winner. Um, and then at nationals, I often did incredibly well. Uh, an interview. I just, I know what to say. I take it as a conversation and I know 
what they want to hear, meaning what I need to have prepared. Um, I try not to be too um, stock answered or too prepared. I'd like for things to be organic, but at the same time, I know going in what I need to know and to be able to say when they present me with that question. And so I usually do really well with interview. It's just the other category. Sometimes I either don't stick to my guns or something slips and I don't place or score as well. And with the um, California prelim, um, as I said, we did a good job. It's just um, Xavier, my dear Xavier Valentino did a little bit better. So he won and I went as his first alternate. So we went up to um, uh, Texas together and represented uh, the California prelim. And it was at heat this year and I had, um, <laughs> whew, I had a chore with dancers. Um, long, long story short, hired a dancer, hired a second dancer, the first dancer got a better gig, the first dancer cast a third dancer, the second dancer can't do it, she cast a fourth dancer, the third dancer, um, I don't know, somewhere in there, someone has a stroke, um, someone can't do it again, and I end up with two dancers going through six. <laughs> but I love them all, and I wish them all well. It's just it just didn't work out for some of them. And luckily, they were all professional enough to help me cast and to hire someone to replace them. And I stood in San Antonio as my plane had um, arrived in baggage claim at the rental counter for my car, trying to um, calm down from just finding out that I had a brand new dancer taking someone's place and she was there at the studio learning it right now as they were about to head to the airport to fly in to see me. It was all very <laughs> too close for comfort. But I worship, I said, as I said, I worship these girls for the hard work they put into it because it was chaos and they all stepped up to the plate. And so I thank them all. And so I got them, I got settled into my hotel and spent about two to three hours on the phone with American Airlines trying to get points and tickets transferred to one of the other dancers to a different name so she could fly out, blah, blah, blah. You understand where I'm at. So that was not exciting. <laughs> it was kind of a really sucky moment uh, to start my competitive week at US of A that year. And it actually, in many ways, um, was a precursor to how the week was going to go. Because it, in the grand scheme of things, I just made some really stupid beginner mistakes by underestimating situations and not being prepared. And I admit that. Um, prelim night, I did, uh, I danced with the girls, fun routine. Um, you know, realized after that I can't do this, but had saw a fellow competitor do something in his production that I liked and like immediately changed something and thought, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to throw that in there. And when I did throw that in there for the very first time ever, I got off on the next counts 
that were part of the choreography and the dancers had no idea I was even going to do that. So a rookie mistake made by a not so rookie competitor, guilty. Um, but overall the talent went great. Um, club wear, uh, did okay in. Interview, <laughs> um, did pretty well, did really well. Um, and then for final, not made the finals, again, not getting too ahead of myself, made the finals, luckily, was thrilled. And I'm not sure who, what I was going into finals, but uh, like what place, meaning, but um, uh, got into finals. I had Christopher Iman, who was a former Mr. Gay USA Bay, do Chris Brown. I did a Pitbull um, semi-impersonation. <clears throat> and uh, the girls danced, and they danced in heels and fringe bras that I did and little booty shorts, and it was really a totally fun routine. It's just unfortunately, the floor was a little bit slippery, the bras didn't fit because the dancers were recast, blah, 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 blah. And so, <clears throat> it, there were some slips. And um, when it was all said and done, I believe I placed eighth overall. And um, I could have placed higher if I had not made those simple little uh, mistakes, but I did. And so I had to um, learn from that. And so I did, for sure. And so <clears throat> I, um, looking through my notes, looking through my notes, notes, notes. Yeah, so the next, uh, knew I wanted to uh, continue with US of A um, and got to the Sin City preliminary and had my girlfriend Amber, who I've talked about before, dance with me. And I had choreographed a routine for us, a fun mix from the movie Sin City. And um, yeah, it was um, a fun, fun mix. Really had a good time with that. And uh, it was at Piranha, and the stage was so interesting. It definitely made me feel like we were, uh, pardon the term, a cockfight. Because um, it was like a, a pin and then railing and people around you. So I felt that confinement. So I didn't really love the facility. And there were so many contestants and they were doing, they had uh, uh, entertainers as well backstage that I was scooted off into this dirty alley and I don't want to get into too many of the details but just say let's just say that the alley was no place for anyone to be trying to get ready and compete for competition it was nasty and so I made the most of it and um, set my stuff up in the dark and had my <laughs> my cell phone on for lighting it was just not glamorous and uh, earlier that day, I had uh, went into interview. The trip to Vegas was amazing. So I made the most of that. I went in the day before, um, rehearsed with Amber at her um, condo, and went out that night to see, I think I went to see uh, Ka at MGM, had a nice dinner, and I lived my Vegas life. 
you know, I had my Vegas gig going. And so the next day, got up, got to registration, did interview, did incredibly well. I think there were seven contestants. I won interview. And so I felt really good going into finals or into for the night. And, oof, and so talent happened. <laughs> Everything was okay until I went off for a costume change that I had never once rehearsed. And I just assumed that it was going to work. And it most definitely did not. So the music's playing and Amber and I are doing our steps and we're into it. And it's time for me to go off. I go off. I go through these mylar curtains and I get caught up in all these curtains and I'm losing time. And I'm trying to get my change of clothes on. And literally, the music's playing outside. The music's playing in my head. And I have a split second of where I realize you're not going to get out there in time. What are you going to do? This is all happening like that. So I, I literally, in a split second, almost decide not to go back out. <laughs> Me and my escape routes, right? So I get my shorts changed. This is all happening so fast. I get my shorts changed, and I, I, this time I'm shirtless, and I scoop up my shirt, and I bust through the curtains, and I do the rest of the routine holding the shirt in my hand, basically shirtless. Now, if I had just thought about it, I could have just left the shirt, dance shirtless, been done with it. But that was not my plan in the slightest. That was never in my formula of how things were going to happen. And when it happened, it just shook me. And I went backstage and I knew it was done. And club wear, I wore uh, pants that didn't fit and a shirt that I loved, but I'd gotten bigger in my arms by working out and it didn't fit me. It, long story short, it just did not work. And so I didn't place. And I have a great picture that I shared on my Instagram of me kind of shrugging my shoulders up like, what can I do? After it was like the next morning when I was driving back home after I checked out of the hotel because I had tried so hard, but unfortunately it did not pan out. So from there I knew I still wanted to compete. So I went to the California prelim once again and took two of my girls and it was shady. <laughs> oh Lord, I want to be super honest about it, but I'm going to say this about that experience. Shade was involved and I knew from registration the way things were going to pan out because there were elements involved in that prelim 
that were a beyond my control and b the way it was going to be and i was right so just some of the gory details um walked into anyway first of all registration had been moved to another location and the promoter and no one had told me number one number two um, I walked into interview and they didn't have enough questions to ask me. And finally, I had to offer, well, let me tell you about a, a few things about myself. And uh, I thought, really? Okay. Um, one of my score sheets was missing scores. Uh uh, so much more I'm not getting into, but just know that it was not the ideal situation. First runner-up. Yeah. So, ticket to nationals. That's the important part. So then, got my money was tapped out. Went to Sin City, didn't place. Went to Bakersfield. And anyway, long story short, my budget was tapped. Should not have gone to compete at nationals. Should have sat out. But I am a man of my word and am someone who wants to follow through with my intent. And so I did that. Got to Dallas and it was at, at the Roundup Saloon on Cedar Springs. And um, interview didn't go incredibly well. <laughs> um, yeah. Sat there, just was not in the best headspace. And then a judge decides to, I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but he, I'm going to paraphrase. So Stephen, when you went to Bakersfield and lost to etc etc how did that and I just kind of blanked out after he said lost so I turned my head and laughed <laughs> and said you mean when I got first runner-up and I said well obviously you know um, it's I'm, I was still a little sore from it but and then I've said something about it made me work harder, and etc. I thought, oh no, you ain't coming for me like that, Missy. So, got there last, that night, um, did my prelim talent, I did Pitbull as a character. I had a good time. Did a video presentation, I had a good time. I had Kira Daniels and my brother, um, uh, Ali, Lo, uh, Lauren, Anthony, Anthony Ali, um, dance with me and perform. And we did a good job. We did a real good job. And so, um, for club wear, I think I wore some neoprene pants. And again, it just, it was a mishmash of things I put together to form one look. And... It didn't pan out. And as I said, I probably could have definitely sat this year out, but I followed through with 
my intent. And I did not make the finals. And I placed 17th overall. And it was tough. But I wasn't completely surprised. Um, the day of finals, I was having trouble locating a dancer. They decided to not even check in at all. And I'm not going to name names, but they would never, ever be used again. And I had a whole another talent for final night to do that people had learned. Um, so again, I didn't get to do any of that. And uh, went back home after that was all said and done. And just re-evaluated everything. And so I still had that fire in me to compete. And I had some dear, dear friends come forward to sponsor me. And their generosity overwhelmed me and still overwhelms me in such a way that I'm indebted to them forever. They, um, created situations where I was able to compete and um, provide um, the judges and the stage exactly what I wanted to do. And so from there began my prep to, I would probably say, my biggest year. Well, what I thought it was going to be my biggest year. I went... Um, I started on my campaign to um, to my prelim and went to Phoenix again and competed for uh, the West Coast prelim and won Mr. Gay West Coast US of A 2017. Thank you kindly. Thank you, gorgeous God. And yeah, very proud of that. Very, very proud of that. And uh, to, to dancers, to Karina, to Sean, did a... Um, a talent of music about bad, bad company, bad man. Yeah, it was totally fun. And got my, of course, got my ticket and my medallion to go to nationals. Hired four dancers from L.A. Went into L.A. repeatedly to rehearse with them. Did uh, choreograph two different talents. Um, some generous dancers who gave so much of their time. I love them all dearly. And... Uh, was able to rehearse at um, a few of the studios there in town and had just a really, really amazing time getting ready for not only the prelim, but for the nationals. And it was just a special time for me. My um, team was on board. People were very supportive and I thought, you know, nothing could go wrong, nothing. And went to, got to Houston, um, went to at large the night before, and the next day I had uh, a bunch of registration, and I got, um, I drew a number that would mean I had talent the first day. So at tech rehearsal, I was waiting for dancers to arrive, to fly in. And that was a little nerve-wracking, I'm not going to lie. Um, getting them from the airport and getting them to the club so we could go through the routine on stage, which they never really made it on time. Um, I had to step through it myself, which 
professionals. That's why I hire them. But at that point, I knew it was what it was. And that night we had talent. I had my girls dressed up in schoolgirl uh, costumes with short polos and skirts. I had a flannel that I had done with some uh, black textured pants, and we turned it out. I love the routine, looking back and thinking back on it. It was an incredible routine, and I'm very, very proud of it. And, you know, got to know some of my good friends in the system. Mark Austin Jones um, was able to see uh, some dear friends who were there in support. My friend Tyler came for finals with the late, great Carmela Marcella Garcia, who was emceeing part of the pageant. Um, you know, it was just, it's just a special time and it's, it's like um, homecoming week in many ways when you go to nationals to, for, actually for any of the systems, but especially US of A since I'm so close and I feel so um, connected to it. And um, looking at my notes, oh yeah. So uh, the talent to me went really well. Clubwear, um, honestly, could have been better. I had planned on something for finals that was much better. Should have wore it prelim night. Changed my mind last minute, which was a stupid mistake for me. I should always stick to my guns. I did not. It, I paid for that. The shirt I wore was a little loose just because I had lost a little weight by rehearsing so much. And yeah, it unfortunately, when it was all said and done, I did not make the 12, but I tied for 13th. Best non-finishing finalist. And it's, whew, it's a sour pill to swallow, and I'm not gonna lie. And so I tied with, I can't remember exactly who I tied with, but we both went up there, they called the 12, they excused the 12, they called us up there to get the plaque. Um, he kind of shook his hands like he didn't want it. I jokingly tried to break it in half over my knee. I just showed it to the audience and we smiled and walked off. It was just one of those moments. That was a, why am I being put through this? And went upstairs, scooped up my things, was in such shock at this point. The money, the time, the heart and soul, the sweat invested into this run. How could this happen? Um, it, was, it was tough. I walked my stuff to the car. I sat in the car for about 30 minutes, <laughs> crying, actually. Um, trying to pull myself back together. I was just so, I was, it was sad. I was sad. And, you know, unfortunately it did not work out. And went back inside because I knew Tyler was there. I could not just leave. I had to put my chin up, wipe the tears and hold my shoulders back throw my West Coast medallion on and go in and have a good time and support everyone else, which is exactly what I did. And we turned up and had a good few cocktails and had a surreal 
special time. And the best way I can really describe it, um, hung out at the bar with Tyler and my dancers, had a few cocktails, you know, just trying to get over it, hung out with some of the other guys who did not make the finals. Carmela had finished her segment of the pageant and Tyler was taking her upstairs and I followed and went backstage with them and sat in the entertainer's dressing room and just regrouped with friends, which I mean, honestly, as a contestant, I should have probably technically quote unquote not been where I was, but no one questioned me. And at that point I felt like I was in a different position than being a contestant. Um, they knew that I was upset and I needed to be around people that I loved and that's what they allowed me to do. So I thank them for that. Um, a lot of people buzzed around me getting ready. It was pretty surreal. I kind of went outside my body and stood in the corner and watched the entire scenario unfold and without getting into many of the details and too much of the interactions, um, it was a very special time for me and it was a great way to end the unpredictable outcome of my competitive week. So needless to say, I was disappointed. I went back home and decided to take a year off. And through that, unfortunately, was never able to step down from my West Coast prelim. They did not have the contest. The promoter decided to cancel it. And I was unable to have that moment after preparing greatly for it. I had a production number with dancers. I had Troy in LA make clothes for me and I had everything really mapped and planned out. And unfortunately that was something that was left incomplete um, in my career. So that is what it is. Um, during the year of taking off, my promoters who were so generous the year before came forward and asked if I wanted to go back and how I was feeling. And I definitely at that point knew I had some unfinished business. So I went back and got ready once again and decided to, well, rewind, um, was going to do a prelim, skipped other prelims because I had set my sights on this one on the schedule. Um, missed other prelims, as I said, got to the time of doing said prelim and it was canceled five days before it was actually about to happen after being postponed two months prior. And so <laughs> I was over it greatly. Went to Dallas for the last prelim. And it was the night before nationals were to begin. So in many ways, if you showed up, you were going to qualify. 
So um, I am the reigning Mr. Gay Southwest, US of A 2019. Thank you, yes, Gwolin. And um, yeah, so qualified the night before, uh, went, I, was, I went, decided to go alone. Decided I was not gonna go broke doing this. I knew I could resort and I could rely on my God-given talent as a dancer and as a creative soul to do well alone. So I decided to go once again, go alone and travel alone and not hire dancers because I just really couldn't afford it. I went down different avenues trying to figure it out and it just wasn't gonna pan out. So um, got my solo talents together, did my mixes, actually decided to hire two dancers there for final night So I because I knew I could send the choreography ahead of time and then once I get there, rehearse with them, which I did. So got to Dallas, checked, I mean, of course, uh, airline, checked a uh, rental car, checked in the hotel. I think I actually went to uh, Craig's room first to qualify to get my title. Um, and then uh, went to the hotel, checked in that night, went to at large, supported the boys, of course. The next day I had um, registration and um, yeah felt really good about everything uh, at uh, when I got to registration uh, the uh, the pageant was at uh, Rose Room at S4 there at Cedar Springs right across the street from Roundup um, oh, uh, Roundup yeah Roundup Full Moon Saloon Roundup Saloon yeah I always get those confused and uh, registration was good, had, um, oh gosh, I'm having a blank. I had interview, no, I take that back. I had talent the first day. And then decided that... <laughs> I was going to, during tech rehearsal, kick my leg in such a way that I was not conditioned to do so. And pop goes my hamstring or a tendon or something. At rewinding, I had gone into the desert with about six of my good friends to do a video footage with drone flying above us, very Mad Max, to play on this amazing screen behind me on stage at Rose Room. And they have an LED screen with little bulbs and it just, it, it was just fierce. It really turned out amazing. And thank you to the boys, thank you to Rand Larson for uh, hooking me up with that. So got there to tech rehearsal, was watching the video, loved what I was saying, started doing my dance routine, did a fan kick, the kids lived a little bit, said, oh, okay, my head, like that, let me show you this other kick that I've not done in 20 years. I kicked my leg with such force that as soon as the leg hit my shoulder in a bot ma, it popped. So I didn't crumple over in pain, but I knew I'd messed up. So I brought my leg down and it was hard for me to find the floor. So I let the music play out. No one really knew what was going on. 
and some people clapped, some people didn't, whatever. Um, I kind of slowly walked off stage like I was sore. And I knew at that point that I had really fucked up. So it took me about 10 minutes to walk from around the corner out to my chair, just to kind of sit down and regroup, because I knew at that point I had really messed up. And hobbled down to the car, and in the process, with my troubles, pass someone who has half of his foot amputee, and he's hobbling, so I'm quickly putting my perspective in place of my troubles compared to his. I knew mine would heal. So I got back to the hotel and was just shattered. I mean, I thought, what have you done? Made some phone calls about what I should do, rested my leg, and that night decided to basically step through the majority of my talent. I could still move a little bit, but I knew I couldn't do anything I'd really planned. So got there the night, did my talent, packed up my things, went back to the hotel to, to rest. The next day, I had um, interview at the um, hotel. And it went well. I was a little bit long-winded on some of my answers, and I knew that afterwards. I had a lot to say though, and I wanted them to hear what I had to say. And honestly, rewind. I had interview and clubwear the first day, and I had talent the second day, if I'm not mistaken. And so yeah, a registration ran back, got ready for interview, and I had drew contestant number one on top of all this, had my interview, and just felt rushed, to be honest. Uh, got through interview, knew I could have tidied it up a little bit, got out what I wanted to say, went back to the hotel, got my stuff together for club wear that night, wore full leather regalia, Tom of Finland Fantasy Master realness. Scored incredibly well, people lived, and I was feeling good. The next day is when I had the tech rehearsal and I tore my hammy. And that was that. Um, had rehearsed late night with the dancers when I could. Our routine for finals really wasn't as clean as it possibly could have been, but I knew that I needed something just to compete with everyone else once I got into the finals because I felt confident going into finals that I would make it, and I did. So I had my good buddy, uh, Eros from New Orleans, come a little bit early on Friday night to tape my leg and wrap it so I could at least get around. I pretty much took, after I had my injury at the tech rehearsal, from that moment on, I just took the rest of the trip very slow when I could. And um, people were very respectful. They were very supportive once people really found out what had happened. Because as I said, during the rehearsal when I kicked my leg and popped my hamstring or whatever I did exactly. Um, and I had done it when I was 18, going to audition for Opryland back when I was in Nashville. So I knew the feeling, I knew it would re, uh, recoup and recover, but I knew it wasn't going to be that night or that week by any means. And it took a good month and a half 
or so for it to really recover where I didn't have a lot of swelling. And now, months later, I'm finally getting to a point where I'm starting to really stretch it out. And so, um, arrows taped me up. I was able to get around um, and get through the contest. And I made it to the finals. Uh, I drew contestant number one. And um, once again, so um, yeah, I, I set the, 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 the night off, uh, so to speak. And then um, talent was good. I knew it could be cleaner, but I also knew once I got into the finals, I would be great just because I would be where I wanted to be. And it had, with the two years before not making the finals and then making the finals again, and knowing going into this that it was gonna be my last year of competition, I felt incredibly successful. So I just wanted something that would represent as a talent in finals, knowing good and well that it wouldn't compete on a higher plane with some of the other contestants and what they were able to bring. Because again, like I said, I just wasn't going to go broke doing this. I wanted to rely upon my smarts and my creativity and my talent to find success. And I did do that. So I'm incredibly proud of myself for not only getting through the injury and continuing on, but for doing so well under all the circumstances I, uh, I was under. And actually, um, Anthony Ali, uh, Lorraine, my, uh, one of my dancer boys, my, my good buddy, I hung with most of the, most of the trip, um, said to me, and I hadn't really even, uh, realized until he mentioned this, he said, you haven't complained once about your leg. And I hadn't because it wasn't anyone else's um, burden to take on. And I didn't necessarily want uh, that whole pity situation, but people were uh, compassionate. And I handled it like a pro. I knew I had messed up for sure. It was all me. <laughs> I signed the documents on the guilty plea. Um, I did it. I did a stupid, stupid thing in tech rehearsal that I wasn't conditioned for, and I had to pay for that. So uh, I was thrilled I made the 12. I had a great time. Um, overall, I placed seventh. And yeah, I don't know going into it what I was on uh, during prelims, but you know, I got out of it what I wanted really after all the time I spent through, of course, AAG, two, uh, two years of EOI, and then I, I went five years to US of A. I um, feel like in the many of the contestants' eyes, some of the guys I met throughout the years, I was in a position, and this is no disrespect to the title or the system or anything, or anyone, um, I feel like I was there in a position beyond the obvious. I especially felt that this last year. I just I was feeling from some of the younger contestants, they needed, and I hate to say I'm taking on the role model uh, role, but they looked up to me as possibly someone they could be when they get older. And I was proud to be able to show them that this is what 50 can be for them. And that life doesn't necessarily end when you get older because when you're younger, you kind of feel that way about getting older. 
And I also feel like just being there encouraged them to continue on and maybe to plan ahead for their futures. So that's, you know, that's a special, um, I guess, personal success um, part of it for me that not a lot of people would really understand unless you know me or know the situation. It just, it seems like my position there was much bigger than um, what people were there, uh, so to speak, to set off, set out to do, which was the title, clearly. And um, I definitely wanted that, but when it was all said and done, I'm thrilled with what I got, which was a self, um, a self, uh, self feeling of accomplishment that I didn't know I would want or um, get going into it. So kudos me, I'm very proud of myself, very, very proud. And so, um, you know, just going over some notes, um, yeah, you know, I with my leg, I knew I'd worry about it later. Um, I hobbled. So anyway, I placed seventh, um, got back to the hotel, got my stuff packed up, and wasn't disappointed at all. was very, very happy with it all. Um, you know, gave some hugs to some of the fellow contestants I bonded with, hobbled over to uh, my rental car, and got back to the hotel, got my stuff together, and then got up the next morning, slowly walked through the um, airport in Dallas, got some food and got to my gate and just waited for my flight to get back home so I could, um, you know, recoup and recover and get back to work and get a knee brace. Cause I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't even think about getting one of those at one of the drug stores on my way um, back out of town. But nonetheless, um, you know, if you've ever sponsored me, if you're listening to this, if you've ever supported me, been there for me, asked me how things were going regarding the contests, the competition, how I was preparing, ever offered, I thank you. Um, I was blessed to have some people uh, be incredibly generous monetarily financially, if you will. So that gave me the um, opportunity to really do well and to present a lot of great things. And to them, I uh, am indebted to you and I appreciate you beyond these words. And to my dancers, to all of you, <laughs> if I put you through it, <laughs> Um, I understand because I have had queens and contestants put me through it and I apologize, but I want you to know that I worship each of you in my own special way and I wish you all well. So thank you for taking part and stepping on stage and giving me your time and your talent and your tears and sweat with me and for me and for Team Stephen Michael. So thank you for that. And to my loving husband, thank you so, so much. I love you from the bottom of my heart. You have always been there for me, never telling me no, always being supportive, pulling the sewing machine out when I needed you last minute to do dancer costumes, um, helping me pack my bags when I was traveling. I cannot imagine taking this journey without you, not only the 20 years that we have been together, 
but these six to seven years of competitive years, I just can't imagine doing it without you. I thank you for always being there for me. To my fellow competitors, if I've shared the stage with you, if we've held hands waiting to hear the results, if we've been backstage waiting to go on, getting ready, sharing secrets and stories, tea and dish, thank you, each and every one of you. I respect what you do. I appreciate you. Thank you for keeping this small niche of our gay culture and community alive. And I'm talking about Mel Pageantry. Keep doing you. Keep pushing if it's something you really want. If I can do anything, if you need advice, help, any type of assistance that I can help with, you know how to reach me if you're listening to this. I'm here to help. I may have moved on. This may be, you know, my retirement um, message, so to speak, I guess. But I will always be supportive and be involved in a small way with this because it's something I will continue, continually be passionate about. So again, if you ever need me or want me and uh, would like to talk to me, reach out. And to my listeners, you know how to find me. Keep tuning in. I'm on all the platforms and, of course, here at Anchor. And until next time, take care of yourself and bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. This has been My Memory Stick. I'm your host, Stephen Michael. Please reach out on my email, mymemorystick at gmail.com or on my Instagram at I am Stephen Michael.